0: Hey, well, good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing? Everybody okay? Hey, let's just do this together. I know tonight there's a lot of us that are coming from a crazy week, a crazy situation, and uh, let's just all take a deep breath together. Does that sound okay? Just ready? Three, two, one. Man, because when I was listening to that song and thinking about the peace of God, man, I need that tonight, don't you? I need this night just to come together with our church family. And just take a deep breath. So uh, my name is Christian. If we haven't met, I get to be worship leader here at Shepherd's Gate. And uh, this is only my second time doing this. Last time I talked about solitude. this time I'm talking about leprosy, so that's a big jump. Uh, so stay with me. But uh, I really I love Ash Wednesday, and I love that we're here together, because tonight begins a journey that lasts all the way through Easter. It starts a 40-day process where we prepare for the death and resurrection of Jesus, the thing that we bank everything on. And tonight, before we go on that journey together, we look inward and we prepare, and we just get our hearts ready for that. So it's a great time, honestly, to continue our series, Value Everyone, and we've been in this for almost two months now, just going into some heavy topics together and digging in deep. And tonight we're going to look inward and look at a topic that's a bit abstract, but it's really worth digging into, and uh, I, think, I think we'll learn a lot and go through it together. Sound good? All right, sounds good. Uh, so leprosy, if you've been keeping up with your outline, if you've been looking forward, uh, for Ash Wednesday, it's always said lepers or leprosy. Uh, has everyone heard this word before? Everybody familiar with leprosy? Okay, good. All right, so it's a medical term. It's a biblical term. And it's one of those words in Scripture that uh, you might have read. It's in Scripture 80 times, so you might have seen it. Uh, We sing it in a couple songs, and it's a bit, like I said, abstract, but it's so worth digging into. Uh, So just a little bit of uh, a few words on leprosy as we dig into this, all right? So leprosy, when we think about it, is usually thought of physically, right? So physical leprosy is indeed a big part of it. It was a skin disease that took over the skin so much back in Jesus' time that people would start to see their skin sag, people would start to lose their ears, lose their fingers. I feel like I should pause here and say, Happy Valentine's Day, because this is so romantic. So romantic. Tonight, when you whisper that you love your uh, husband or wife or significant other, be thankful that they have an ear. That was for John. That was a leprosy joke. So physical leprosy, obviously, was a very... Uh, big part of it. But if we think about it strictly as physical, we're missing just a bit of the picture. So physical leprosy was so highly contagious, at least they thought in Jesus's time, that if you touched a leper, you became a leper. So this is greatly feared, but it was also a bit more than that, right? It was physical, but it was spiritual. So the spiritual element of leprosy was once you were diagnosed as a leper, you went to the high priest, and he deemed your spirit unclean. If you're a leper, that means your spirit is unclean. And then check this out, ready? Physical, spiritual, and then cultural, because once you were diagnosed as a leper, deemed unclean, you were completely banished from the city or from the village that you were in. So leprosy was greatly feared because of the physical, sure, because of the spiritual, because of the cultural. It was so contagious, so feared, That they would literally remove people, basically left for dead, left hopeless, completely out of the city, away from their family, away from their friends, away from everything they knew. So there's a bit of a background on what leprosy is, but as with anything, we look at it in the Old Testament, a lot of that comes from Leviticus, and a lot of that comes from the Old Testament. As we look forward, there's always something on the way, right? Jesus is on the way. Jesus breaks tradition, Jesus changes everything. So together tonight, we're going to look at uh, the book of Matthew. This is Jesus interacting with a leper. Uh, It's going to be on the screens here for you. If you want your chair Bible, it's page 813, Matthew chapter 8. Up until this point in the book of Matthew, Jesus had been hanging out with people that no one thought he'd be hanging out with. Matthew himself is actually a tax collector. He's an IRS agent, right? Yeah, who wants to hang out with the IRS agent? He'd been saying crazy things. He'd been doing some tricks. He'd been doing some cool stuff. So crowds were following him. And this is the moment, I think, that might have been a deal-breaker for a lot of the crowds that were around him at this time. Because as they're watching on, they're seeing him deal with the untouchable, unclean person, a leper. So let's look at this together. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. We'll start It's a couple verses, but man, there's a lot here, so we're going to go slow. Verse 1 says this, "...when he came down from the mountain..." Great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. What's wrong with this? Why is a leper in the middle of a crowd? Right? He's been exiled. He's been forgotten. This is like way worse than flu season in Michigan, right? Like it was not like go to the bedroom for a couple days, here's some soup, come back when you're better. He was basically left for dead because of this condition that he had. So the first question is, why is there a leper in the middle of a crowd? Because this crowd must have been thinking, who invited Dave the leper to the party, right? (laughs) Who invited this guy? This guy's unclean. He's completely hopeless. And they're watching on in complete fear that he's even there in the first place. And then he has the audacity to come up to the guy that they've been following and say, hey, if you will, you can make me clean. And we can picture the crowd continuously saying, are you kidding me? You? He healed the guy that had the flu. He healed the guy that had a bit of a cough. But you are a leper. There's no hope for you. So he says these words, and the crowd is just thinking, what an interruption to a good day of following Jesus. And yet, Jesus does the unthinkable. Verse 3, take a look at this. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will heal you. Be clean. As Jesus puts his hand on This person, the crowd has to go, all right, that's it. You understand what just happened? Jesus touched a leper. That means he is a leper. They're thinking, we're going to watch Jesus' ear fall off. They're thinking, this is it. All the things that we've been following him for, all the things we've seen him do, it all ends here. You touch a leper, you are a leper. This is what I mean, this is the deal breaker for most people in this crowd, I can imagine, because, verse 3 continues and says, immediately, The man's leprosy is healed, and Jesus remains the same because Jesus changes everything. Amen. 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 So takeaway number one, obviously, when we come into Jesus' love, when we come into contact with Jesus himself, our lives are changed forever. This guy received healing, something he thought he would never have, in an instant. And usually, when that text is preached, that's where it ends. The metaphor is, hey, we're the leper, Jesus is the healer, We're sick. We need to be clean. Wrap it up. Happy Valentine's Day. That's it. But man, in our series, in our Value Everyone series as we're going over this, I cannot help but look at the role of the crowd in this text, and it feels a little familiar. Because this text does not continue and say the crowd jumped up and celebrated and hugged him and welcomed him into the family and said, we're so happy that you're healed, man. You found what you've been looking for. No, it doesn't say anything, and that worries me. Because that means it wasn't that impressive how they reacted. And as we look at what the crowd might have been doing that entire time, their role was strictly to just point a finger and be hesitant and say, no, man, not you. Maybe the other sick people, but not you. I think the ultimate lesson here, if we're going to keep digging into how we value others in our lives, is we need to be a church. We need to be a people that stops pointing fingers and starts extending a hand. Because the role of Jesus in that moment was just to extend a hand and say, listen, I get what's been said about you. I get what the crowd might be thinking right now. But there's ultimate healing and freedom for even the most hopeless. Once again, that's a great takeaway, but what does that have to do with us? Because physical leprosy is a little bit distant, right? It feels like that's just a scripture thing that we think about. If there anyone is here that, you know, has lost an ear because of leprosy, I'm so sorry. I, I don't, I don't want to offend you. But cultural leprosy, cultural leprosy, the emotion of being hopeless, the emotion of feeling forgotten, the emotion of feeling exiled and left behind, is at an all-time high right here and right now in our cities and in our states and in our churches and in our cultures. Don't you agree? There are so many in our lives that feel just a little bit left behind from the church, feel just a little bit left behind from God. And yet, there are so many moments when I feel like we stand in that crowd and we call out the uncleanliness and we don't extend a hand. Uh, Last summer... I got to take a mission trip with our students here uh, to Nashville, Tennessee, uh, and it was a great time. If you ever want to experience just true, deep anxiety, take 30 teens' phones away from them, (laughs) and then just give them no plan as to what we're doing on this mission trip, right? You'll hear these words a lot, hey, where's my phone, you know? So on this trip, they really didn't tell us where we were going or what we were doing or uh, what was gonna happen next, and at one point, they said to us, hey, pack yourself a lunch, and then pack a lunch for someone that might need it a bit more than you, you're going to be giving lunch to somebody tonight. Oh, that's kind of cool, right? So in the middle of the day, they just let us loose in downtown Nashville. They just say, hey, go and find somebody to share lunch with. We're thinking, right? You guys remember this, right? So we start walking, me and the team that we had that day, and we're thinking, all right, well, let's, let's see what happens. And we, we kind of come to a park, and there's this woman who's sitting there and she has a lot of bags around her and it's kind of clear that she's collected a lot of things and it's clear she doesn't have a home. We said, oh, maybe, maybe she'd like to have some lunch, right? So we walked over to her and I'll never forget this interaction because it brought this idea to life in such a heartbreaking way. We walked up to her and we said, hey, would you like to have lunch? Like, we have an extra sandwich. We'd love to get to know you and just hang out. And this woman kind of looked us up and down and she said, oh, you're from the church, aren't you? We said, sure, but I mean, like, we're really just here to get to know you and and, uh, maybe share a meal with you. And she looked directly at us, and I'll never forget what she said. She said, now you can move on and find somebody else. God doesn't want anything to do with me. And then she said this, here's the kicker. In fact, I'm inconvenient with God. Church, that's cultural leprosy here in 2018, right here Right now, there are those that feel so hopeless, so abandoned, so forgotten, that it feels like no one wants anything to do with them, not even the God who created them. Cultural leprosy in our lives, in our workplaces, in our families, usually takes the form of this. Anyone who you pass judgment on to, anyone who we pass judgment on to, that we have not gotten to know. This is what makes cultural leprosy such a big thing in our culture here today, is it's pretty easy to pass judgment onto those that we haven't gotten to know. We have first impressions, we have prejudices, we have differences, we have all these things. But the more and more that we learn what it means to value everyone, we learn that anytime time we pass judgment on someone that we have not gotten to know, all we're doing is just fueling the fire of saying, hey, guess what, you're hopeless. It hurts a little bit, doesn't it, right? Ash Wednesday's a night, to be honest. (laughs) That's a little bit almost too honest. But as we dig into what this means, it bears the question for me, and I think it bears the question for all of us. Who do we know that might feel inconvenient with God, and what have we done to counteract that? Because that day in that park when that woman said that to me, Something came over me where I just thought, no, you're not. You are not inconvenient with God. In fact, you're cherished by God. You're relentlessly pursued by God. He created you. He knows you. He loves you. And you want to know what I said? I didn't say any of that. In fact, I I think I said, "Uh, have a nice day. And then we walked away, and we found somebody else, and we just moved on from our day. Oh, that breaks my heart to think about that moment because... What did I do to counteract that? What do we do to counteract the emotion that we are faced every day with people in our grocery stores, in our workplaces, in our own families even, that feel a bit inconvenient with God? Just to make this a little bit more real, take a look at the seat next to you, right? Take a look at the seat next to you right here in this room, in this place, and think, who would it be sitting next to me? that would make me the most uncomfortable if they were sitting there? Who do I know that it would be so weird if they were here with me? Odds are that person feels a little inconvenient to the church, don't you think? Odds are that person might know what it feels like to feel a little bit left behind because of a difference, because of anything that separates us from giving people the love of Jesus in profound ways. When we really think about cultural leprosy and what that means for us right here and right now in this moment, we keep coming back to the idea that we need to be a church that stops pointing fingers and starts extending a hand. Because I guarantee there are so many people in our lives that feel very inconvenient to God. And there are so many ways that we can counteract that. When we dig even deeper into this, I know that we've already gone really deep already, but when we dig even deeper into this, I think it's safe to say that feeling hopeless, feeling exiled, feeling like a cultural leper, whatever that might look like, starts as an identity crisis. It starts as an identity crisis because any time that someone identifies more with their struggle more with their life situation, more with their sin, more than the differences between us and them. Anytime they do that, they're missing the point because our identity is in Jesus. That woman in that park that day, her identity is fully in the God who created her, and yet her identity in her mind has become, I don't have anything. Her identity in her mind has been shaped by the amount of people that walk by her every single day, not even turning an eye to see that she's there, that she exists And it's moved away from the idea that her identity is fully in Jesus. It's interesting in this passage, if you look at verse two, it doesn't say, and behold, a man with leprosy came to him. It doesn't say, behold, a woman with leprosy came to him. It doesn't say, behold, a person with leprosy came to him. What does it say? It just says a leper. And it begs another question for us. What does that say about how easy it is to let the differences between us and other people become how we identify them. How easy is it to pass judgment onto those that we haven't gotten to know? How easy is it to move into a place where we don't even identify someone as a human being, we identify them as their situation or as their struggle or as their sin? This is where valuing everyone really moves from a place of talk to a place of action Because if we're going to start to say that we're going to value people, no matter how different, no matter how hopeless it may seem, no matter what makes us uncomfortable, if they're sitting next to us, right? If we're going to move into that place together, oh, it's big. Prejudices fall aside. Differences fall aside. Divisions fall aside pointing fingers falls aside our labels our language the way we refer to others falls aside and we start to see people through the eyes of grace just like jesus did with that day the crowd looked on as the leper the hopeless untouchable man is standing before jesus and they're thinking not him all they're seeing is a person that they have not gotten to know jesus reaches out his hand and he sees the heart of this man he says no no you're worth healing You're worth love. You're worth joy. You're worth peace. And you have that in me. So if we're going to make this shift, there's a big cultural shift together as a church, as a people, as a city. But if we're going to make this shift together, it means that all that stuff that I mentioned before, all the prejudices, all that stuff falls aside because it's way too easy to just simply identify an us and them mentality where we say, well, they're so different than me that I, po- I, c- I can't even relate. Like your problem or your situation or who you are as a person, at least is what I'm basing it off of, is so different than me that I can't even relate. Don't you know? Don't you know that, well, they're Muslim, <laughs> they're Mexican, they're black, they're white, they're gay, they're transgender, they're Republican, they're Democrat, they're rich, they're poor, they're old, they're young. That's so different than what I am. All of those words are wrapped up in starting to see others through the eyes of grace and saying, you know who you are? You're one of two words. You're a son or a daughter of God first. You're a son or a daughter of God first, and everything falls after that. Because yes, there are beautiful things that make us different. We talk different, we think different, we look different, we act different, right? That's beautiful. But first and foremost, every single person, including those that feel inconvenient with God, including those that make us feel uncomfortable, they are a son or a daughter of the God who created them. And it's our responsibility to say, you are so cherished by that same God. We sing that song over and over this month and last month, and a lot of you say, hey, you guys learned a new song? We sing this song all the time, right? We are sons, we are daughters of God, and no matter we go, no matter where we go, we're close to the Father's heart. We need to sing that over and over. Because that song doesn't say, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I don't know about that guy. I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I don't know about that guy at work. He seems pretty weird. No, we are the sons. We are the daughters of God. And no matter how far you've strayed, no matter how different we are, no matter the things that seem to put up walls between us, it's simple, but it's beautiful. We're a family. We're brothers and sisters all created in God's image. It goes all the way back to what Pastor Tim told us about the first week of the series. We are all created in God's image. There's common ground everywhere we look. That changes everything. That changes everything because it turns even the most hopeless of cases, even the most different of situations, even the people that feel the most different than us, it makes us start to see, I no, not know, we're together in this. I'm going to let you know, no matter what, that you are so, so cherished by the God who created you. As you dig more and more into cultural leprosy, we kind of start to see a lot of things in our society that are just very widely known, that they're very hopeless-feeling things. A lot of the ministries that we've heard about in this series already, they're out shouting the finger pointers, and they're extending a hand. I mean, look at Michigan Abolitionist Project, right? They're out shouting the finger pointers and they're saying, you know what? That girl that's trapped in slavery sold for sex. I don't know. There's hope for you. There's hope for you. Compassion pregnancy, those who feel as if they, they don't know where their identity lies so much that they feel so lost that they feel, you know what? Maybe I should just get rid of this baby altogether. No, no, no. There's hope for you and for your baby because your identity is in Jesus and Jesus alone. To keep going down the line, man, mental illness is such a big uh, issue in our society. Those with mental illness can feel so hopeless and so forgotten and so alone, and we keep reaching out, keep reaching out, and we say, no, 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 you're loved by God. Addiction can feel so, so heavy. Past addiction, present addiction, the guilt of that can weigh down so heavy that they say, you know where my identity lies? In being an addict. No, your identity lies in being Free because of Jesus' grace. And I see you through that lens, not in the lens that the world sees you in. We talked a little bit already about homelessness, right? It's such, it's such a big issue because just like that woman in the park that day, just like the countless others that we saw in Nashville on that trip, their identity is starting to become found in what they don't have. Their identity is starting to become found in what they do not have, just like our identity as very blessed, wealthy people can be found in what we do have, and yet both of us find common ground in saying, no, 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 our identity is not in things at all. It's in Jesus, and it's in his love for me. This is great, great news for all of us. If the idea of homelessness kind of pulls on your heart, I know it does ever since that trip for me, just a little shout out to McRest, right? For an entire week of the year, our church opens its doors and we take over every single room of this place and we, ho- we house those that are homeless, that need a home. Sign-ups for that start March 18th. I'd encourage you to put a reminder in your phone that literally says, who do you know that might feel inconvenient to God? And what have you done to counteract that? I know it's long, but type it in there. It'll remind you all of these issues and so much more, everything that kind of feels like just too far away from our normal, too far away from what we've known to be true, it all brings me back to something that LV told us a few weeks ago. Heaven will not be segregated. You want to know why? Because we're in heaven all together, the rich, the poor, everyone who's ever felt hopeless that has found Jesus' love, and we're all there together. We're going to look around and we're going to see sons and daughters of God fully realized in the fact that they are loved by Jesus. Our identity in heaven will be found completely in who we are in his love. And I say we start that right now. In our workplaces, in our families, in our city. Right now we say we're going to be a church that stops pointing fingers and starts extending a hand. I'm going to take you back to Nashville one more time before we wrap up because as I think about what it means to extend a hand, what it means to just so selflessly give, it reminds me of a moment that same day as we kept walking. One of our students, uh, we, we came upon a, a woman who once again was, was very clearly without a home and, and we got to share lunch with her and pray with her and she encouraged us. I mean, it was just a beautiful time of getting to celebrate Jesus with another sister of Christ. And at the end of our time with her, one of our students said, uh, Hey, I have this rain poncho. Now, just a side note, this is not like a 99 cent Dollar Tree rain poncho. This was, if you walked into Nordstrom like, I need a rain poncho, this is the one they would give you. I mean, it was nice, right? It was very good, $40 at least. I don't know about that, but. <laughs> she had this rain poncho, and she brought it for herself, and uh, she brought it on the trip, and she said, You know what? I feel so glad to just give this to you. And she gave it to the homeless woman. First of all, that's seeing someone beyond their situation. That's seeing someone beyond what we usually see. That's saying, you are a woman, a sister of Christ, a daughter of God, and here's a practical need that I can give to you right here, right now. Amazing. The woman was overjoyed. She, you would have thought that you gave her exactly what she asked for for Christmas, right? She was just so excited, But the story gets better when we start walking back to the car. We have a three-mile walk back to the car outside. What happened? Friends, it started raining harder than I've ever seen rain in my entire life. From the minute it started raining, we are drenched from head to toe. And in my mind, as a ministry leader, I'm like, hey, it'd be pretty nice to have a rain poncho right about now, don't you think? (laughs) We get all the way back to the car, and this 16-year-old student teaches me a lesson that I hope I hang on to for the rest of my life about what it means to extend a hand and selflessly give for Jesus. She looked right at me, soaking wet, and she goes, I am so glad that I gave that rain poncho to our new friend. Why? Because maybe right now she's warm, maybe right now she's dry, and maybe right now she has a smile on her face thinking, man, do I feel loved, man, do I feel valued. That is absolutely what it looks like to give freely, no hesitation, and say, I see sons and daughters of God everywhere I look, everywhere I am, I see a son and I see a daughter of God, and I see that they are not only not inconvenient to God, they are so cherished and loved by Him. That's how cultural leprosy dies in our generation. That's how we value everyone, and that's where it moves from talk to action. Amen? Amen. Amen. Tonight, we get to partake in something together that, as John and Tim mentioned both already, uh, it's so beautiful, the representation of what we're about to do here together. First, we're gonna come to the table of Jesus, a table where everyone is welcome, a table where we find that we are free in His love, a table where we find that every single human life that we come into contact with is completely welcome. And then we get to have ashes put on our forehead. This is a tradition of Ash Wednesday that's carried on for years. But tonight, I encourage you, as you get those ashes on your forehead, as you bear the image of what you believe on your forehead, ashes are not, friends, we believe and we bear the image of Jesus every single day of our lives. And as we walk out these doors tonight, as we think about cultural leprosy and what it looks like to let everyone know that they are so relentlessly pursued by God, I'd encourage you, Those ashes can mean a lot for us tonight about how we bear the image of his love. Uh, But before we do that, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. I'd encourage you again to take a deep breath and just say, God, I'm right here. It's just me and you. And there are moments where I've pointed a finger instead of extending a hand. There are moments that I've pointed a finger instead of extending a hand. And there are moments that I've treated others Nothing like you how, how you want me to treat them. There's moments where I have not valued others as well as I could have. And breathe in the grace and know that because our God values everyone, so does His church. Because our God created everyone, we can know fully that we are walking among sons and daughters of God. They just may not know it yet. I'd encourage you to just take a few moments in this silence, in this space together. And then Tim will bring us through communion.